and everyone. I still say everyone. It's not a numerical thing. It's good to be here. Many years ago, uh, one of the old Baptist preacher, preachers said, meaningful fellowship is best expressed in small groups. In other words, it's nothing to do with numbers. It's those that are there waiting before the Lord. Ray reminded us of that little encounter we had with, we won't say who it was, uh, who was, when we said that we were twins, and she was trying to ex- explain, trying to understand how we could be twins, said, hang on, you're, you were born in London, and you were born in Lancashire. I said, it was a long-term birth. So. <laughs> but I'm glad he is my brother in the Lord, anyway, regardless. And uh, my word, we need each other. Uh, interesting how things get changed uh, with about the bread and wine and memorials and remembrances and things like this. If you were to ask, what is the statue in the centre of Trafalgar Square, oh, of Piccadilly Circus, sorry? And they say, oh, it's Eros, it's Eros, we know that. No, it's not. It's actually the Angel of Mercy and Hope which is a tribute, a memorial to Lord Shaftesbury, who was the uh, instrumental in the abolition of the slave trade. So there we are. So you can say it's not Eros. That's the nickname. It's the Angel of Mercy and Hope. There we go. Let's turn to Proverbs and chapter 6. Jenny mentioned this morning about... um, us having New Year's resolutions, and it was not exactly an overwhelming response. In fact, none of us have gone down that line. But can I make a suggestion? And I I found these passages in Proverbs, they're just so so precious, so blessed, so relevant for today. And maybe it would be good if we sort of just wove them into our quiet times. Uh, The daily calendar today uh, was saying about uh, one of the Proverbs, quoting from the AV, which says, um, a merry heart maketh good. In other words, it's good to have a laugh. It is genuinely, physically good to have a good laugh sometime, a healthy, wholesome laugh. And there's so many things all the way through Proverbs. So tonight we're looking at Proverbs chapter 6, just a few verses. And can I just say, before I read this, that when you preach when you share a word it's not just a one-way valve i have to believe this and and the preacher has to believe uh, and the lord's got to speak to us before we can speak to you and you'll probably understand why in a moment and in verse 12 of proverbs 6 it says a worthless person a wicked man walks with a perverse mouth he winks or gives signals with his eyes he shuffles his feet points with his fingers perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who sows lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. The Lord bless his word to us tonight. 
Not necessarily a happy, let's start the new year off to a good way. But I just feel that it will, it will do us good. We, can, we mentioned this morning, our passage was, trust in the Lord. Well, we're trusting in his word tonight. We read in, in Chronicles, one verse, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. One of the facets of God's love is his mercy. And it's one of over 50 references directly of God's love towards us. I don't remember a great deal about my um, church input as a child, but I remember one year... Uh, in Lancashire and in Yorkshire, I'm sure Steve will remind us, we used to have what we call the Whit Friday Walks. And bands would come and we would parade through the streets and new clo- always new clothes that day. Don't you dare get them dirty. You know? We'd always, and I always remember one of the Sunday schools had a banner with three little words on. God is love. And all through my life from being a young boy with the Scouts, and I always remember that God is love. I remember that banner. I don't remember anything else. God is love. And he is, thank God. Yet there is another list that our loving God has. And it's his hate list. And if we study the scriptures, we'll see there's over 50 references to the things that God hates. Our God who loves is also a God who hates. And you Oh, my word, we can't seem to get this balance. My first church in Buckinghamshire, we had one lady, uh, and you would say to her, well, do you believe the Bible? And she said, oh, yes, most of it. And I used to say, well, what do you not believe? Well, I don't believe all the hate bits. I don't believe all the war and the killings and, and all the things that, that happen. I leave those bits out. Friends, it's either all scripture is God-breathed, or it's not. It's all from the end of Genesis to the Amen of Revelation. All scripture is God-breathed. And we read in that verse 12 of Proverbs 6. A chilling passage, really. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Ray and I, we have a lot of uh, shared interests, and one of them is is in uh, Elvis Presley. And uh, we don't worship him, we just love his music, and so on and so on. And Elvis always travelled about with two books, God's Word, the Bible, and the Dictionary. Those two books, he he loved those two books. He built up his library, obviously, over the years, but those two books were always with him. And I love to look for the meaning, as Ray's done tonight, the meaning of words. And that word hate in the dictionary is a feeling of intense dislike. Not able to bear or to stand something. But when we get to the deeper meaning of that word in the original, it says it is an abomination. It's not something he just doesn't like. It's an abomination, which is the strongest possible Objection in scripture. And what God hates, we should hate. What God loves, 
we should also love. So let's look through this. And I'm always conscious when we say, we, we've already said the seven things and people can consciously, well, there's one, there's two, there's three. So it won't be long, don't worry. And the first thing is a proud look. Pull position to the things that God hates is, a, is pride. And pride is the root of so much sin. Pride saw Lucifer expelled from the heavens. And pride keeps so many people out. I remember, and I'm, I'm sure I've shared it before in my testimony, trying to witness to Jackie when I gave my life to the Lord, trying to convince her that not because I said so, that she was a sinner. The Bible says, I don't you call me a sinner. And she, she was a good person. And to call someone a sinner, my word, it doesn't have cause resentment. And we've seen this pride even within the church of our Lord Jesus. Now, when I refer to the church, I don't refer to Great Parts. I don't refer to Gersten. I refer to the church, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pride can infiltrate even into our church fellowships. And it can be done in such a subtle way. I remember once coming into contact with uh, a church moderator. Uh, and he, I, I don't think he did it consciously, but he had a very retentive memory. And it's lovely to see how Gideon's coming on with his memory. He can, I, I, can you remember all the scriptures, all 66 in the right? He can. And it's just wonderful. He's got that retentive memory. Now, this man, this moderator, uh, had been in Christian ministry, I don't know, over 60 years almost 50, 60 years. And he used to say, oh, of course, you remember, Derek, uh, Derek uh, Deuteronomy 23, 4, and I'd say, no. What do you mean? You, you don't know that. And well, the answer was, no, I didn't. I knew a lot of scriptures, but he, in his retention, he was able to memorize these scriptures. And, and I used to feel awful. And that was my answer. I said, no, I don't, actually. And I didn't, because you can't guess, can you? You, know, you can't just say, oh, this is... And, but you see, it's I know the scriptures. Do you not? And there's things like, um, one, obviously not here, but it happens in other fellowship. You don't speak in tongues? Oh, come on. What kind of a Christian are you? And all these banner of things. Pride comes in. I can do this. And you can't. And it causes nothing but friction. A proud look. Pride. And God hates it. A lying tongue. Second thing. Well, we see in Scripture the preciousness of truth in every aspect of life. David in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, David's psalm of repentance. And really should be compulsory reading for every, every believer. And in verse 6, he says this. You, Lord, desire truth in the inward parts. This is what God desires. Trust and obey. You, Lord, desire truth in the inward parts. When our Lord Jesus was addressing the scribes and the Pharisees in uh, John 8, we read this. It's no wonder they hated him. It's no wonder they wanted to crucify him. This is the words of Jesus. You are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. So when we realize where lies come from, where the root cause of our lies have started, well, we should certainly flee from them. Can there ever be an excuse to lie, to tell a lie? A lot of people will say, oh, well, yeah, it's a, it's a lie, but, you know, it was only a little white one. Does the Lord have a color chart? Does he say, oh, well, that's a white one, oh, it's a bit gray, and that's a black one? No. He desires truth in the inner parts, and the root cause, the root source, is the evil one himself. The scriptures tell us, let your yes be yes, uh, and your no be no. We saw it on our television, didn't we, just before Christmas, with Jeremy Corbyn. We all knew what he said, and he tried to lie his way out of it. And the cameras are on his lips there, and he's, no, no, I didn't say, oh, no, no, I didn't say that. And, and the proof was there. And if he had just said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. But no, and he dug himself even deeper by trying to lie his way out of it. I didn't say that, I said that. No, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. Is it so hard? One of my heroes of the faith now with the Lord, a man called J. Vernon McGee. And he said this. There is more said in the Bible about a lying tongue than the abuse of alcohol. Now you'd think it'd be the other way, wouldn't you? There is more said in the scriptures, in the Bible, about a lying tongue than the abuse of alcohol. Lying. A lying tongue. And God says, I hate it. Move on, hands that shed innocent blood. God, our creator, the one who gives us life, our very creator, holds the sanctity of life. So precious. No wonder he hates killing. No wonder he hates hands that shed innocent blood. What a legacy we had from 2018. Over 130 murders in our capital city. I remember, as we were growing up, they said, oh, I hope it never gets like New York. Friends, it's worse than New York. People are being murdered every day. Just yesterday, a man stabbed to death on the train. They didn't even know this man. What happened? We don't know. But suddenly, this train journey ended in tragedy. Stabbed to death. Life has become so, so cheap. Our schools are having to have these metal detectors to prevent knives being taken into our schools. Oh, my word, how far we have fallen. Life has become so cheap. Last year, in the UK alone, there were over 200,000 abortions in this country. 200,000. Since this was legalized in 1967, there have been almost 9 million. Friends, that's the population of Turkey. 9 million. No wonder God hates it. No wonder hands that shed innocent blood is on God's hate list. What a dreadful statistic to wipe out the equivalent of the population of Turkey. Fourth thing, a heart 
that devises wicked plans. A heart that devises wicked plans. Jesus in Matthew's Gospel said this. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And it's these that defile a man. For out of the heart produce evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Well, we know that the biggest prevention of of infection control is people would wash their hands in warm water properly, which many, many don't do these days. But they don't defile you. They spread disease. It's what comes out of our mouth. These are the things. A heart that devises wicked plans. We've shared the passage from Jeremiah at different times in the past. And Jeremiah was prompted to say, The heart of man, the very inner being of man, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. When we think bad things and we think nobody knows, that scripture tells us very clearly, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. There is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. This is the process. The things begin in the heart, in the very centre of our emotions. It comes into our mind. Can I get away with it? Will it work? Will I be found out? And then we act on it. And that's the process. And it's an awful thing. And the longer we live, the more appalled we are at the wickedness of man and his evil ways. We're reading here of in these passages, what could be described as an anatomy of evil. Eyes, tongues, hands, hearts. And now we lower the attention to our feet. Feet that are swift in running to evil. And God hates them. Feet that are swift in running to evil. If you have the authorised version, it says mischief. It says mischief, no difference really. But Isaiah, the wonderful prophet, Isaiah says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your lips, sorry, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered, muttered perversity their feet run to evil and they make head haste to shed innocent blood their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity wasting and destruction are in their paths the way of peace they have not known feet that run to evil and yet just a few chapters Earlier, and this is what we could have had this in, right? How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Wow, what a contrast. Who proclaims peace? Who brings glad tidings and good news? Who proclaims salvation? Who says to Zion, your God reigns. What a contrast. Feet 
that run to evil and feet that bring good news. Number six is a false witness who speaks lies. It's incredible, isn't it, in a court of law, I swear before Almighty God to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, and then just lie through their tongue. They just lie and lie and lie, are happy to commit perjury in the hope that they will uh, be somehow be able to convince the jury that they are innocent. And many totally regard the fact that they are speaking lies like this. Perjury can carry a prison sentence for up to five years by swearing and uh, just lying about it. The law of the land says that perjury is illegal. But God says, hey, I hate it. And then that two little words, and finally, and finally, number seven, one who sows discord amongst the brethren. One who sows, brisk, who sows discord amongst the brethren. Well, there's a good one. Psalm 133 is a wonderful little short psalm, only three verses, and it says, look, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded his blessing, life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. When the uh, disciples were waiting uh, for the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they were waiting in the upper room, and we read that they were in one accord. They were united in one accord. And this is what God desires. He hates Someone or something that causes discord, that causes friction, that causes problems within a Christian fellowship. One who sows discord, a bother causer, a troublemaker, is ranked equally with all these other awful things that the Lord hates. And he's put this one on as the seventh that he hates. One who sows discord amongst the brethren. We find the bother causers, the troublemakers, the whisperers, the gossipers and all this. We find these in our parliament today. We find them in all kinds of public places. And sadly even in his church. One who whispers, spreads rumors, gossips, sows seeds of dissension. And it's hateful. And it's hated by Almighty God. It's not comfortable reading. It's not comfortable. This is not a comfortable word. And I have to say, I, I, I really had to struggle to share this tonight. But I think it is so important as we begin this new year that we put things in order. I'll leave the last word to another one of my heroes, an American pastor, the pastor's pastor, Warren Wearsby. And he says this, Hate what God hates 
Love what God loves and you will enjoy what God enjoys. Isn't that wonderful? Hate what God hates, love what God loves and enjoy what God enjoys. Like I say, it's not a happy little cheer up halftime message, but I believe there is something of value for each of us. If we just think on these things, meditate them quietly and say, Lord, what can I do that will please you? What can I do that I will trust and obey? And what am I doing or what have I thought to do that would cause you even to hate that action? Do we want to be God pleasers? Do we want God to smile upon us? My closing prayer this morning, the, the, the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. God, if we want that, we know what we have to do. Well, may God bless his word to us, even tonight. And as we move through this year, let's just trust, truly trust his word. Trust him to help us. And unless we are indwelt, empowered, and enabled by God the Holy Spirit, we won't be able to do any of these things. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Let's just trust him and obey him. Thank you, Ray.